are you in relationships where you wonder, what the F is going on in this relationship? Like, I'm confused. What did I do wrong this time? And why can't we just have a back and forth conversation like two sane adults? Well, being in relationship with an emotionally immature person can have you wondering how a simple interaction took a wrong turn and you're the bad guy again. Well, we don't have to keep hiding or editing or protecting ourselves in these relationships. In this episode, I share some long overdue options for how to interact with anyone who falls into the emotionally immature category. And if you aren't sure what I'm talking about, I invite you to pause this episode, check back in with the episode previous, and listen to that first. It'll give you the entire lowdown on emotionally immature parents slash people. Okay, let's get you feeling more empowered in your relationships and less asking WTF is going on. (laughs) All right, see you in a few. Hey, it's Vicki Smith. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers podcast. Want to start doing things on your terms and finally feel confident just being yourself in relationships? Well, you've landed in the right place. Here we break down your people-pleasing and perfectionistic patterns so you can move from being polite and doing it right to showing up, speaking up, and even laughing it up with people. Not sure it's possible? Well, stick around, friend. I'll show you how. Welcome to Power to the Pleasers. We are doing a three-part masterclass weekly episode series on emotionally immature parents slash people (laughs) because some of us aren't uh, interacting with parents or maybe parents aren't around anymore. So this is just a good understanding of emotional immaturity um, in itself and how we can interact with folks. That is what this particular episode is about. So um, I I really want to make this 30 minutes or less. Uh, and so I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. And I want to just remind you that the reason I'm playfully calling this a masterclass is because there's a lot of info here. And also what I present can elicit some feelings in you. It has in me. And I encourage you to take notes, pause, stop, come back, do whatever you need to do to digest this information because it's so helpful for us as people pleasers and perfectionists. I cannot emphasize that enough to have the awareness of how interacting, growing up, living with emotionally immature parents or people, how it um, leads to our people-pleasing and perfectionism. So let's start to talk about how to interact with immature, emotionally immature folks. Okay, a good place to start with this is I want us to look at the ideal versus the real. I want us to look at the reality of the relationship because we have a tendency to hold an ideal version of relationships. And it's, you know, something to strive for, right? It's a goal to reach where we're finally going to have that fulfilling phone call where we're sharing what's going on with us and the other person is like, oh, that's great, hon. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Oh, we want that desperately, don't we? Um, It's really a survival strategy. 
And it's something that we started as kids because we had to hold out hope um, that the relationship would feel better at some point. You know, we didn't have the ability to leave the situation or our family and go live somewhere else. At least most of us didn't. So we had to keep trying to make it better. And we really have spent so much time and energy trying to figure out the magical way of being, the right words to say, the best time to say them, and believing that those things, which are mostly in our control, will then ease the tension with this emotionally immature person. And they might be nice to us finally. (laughs) Um, And we as kids and adults, we just wanted desperately to bend the arc of the relationship in our favor. And I hope that you'll start to see this straight shot of a connection between emotionally immature parents and our people-pleasing and perfectionism strategies. But the reality is the relationship is not healthy. And it's truly painful for us to keep hoping and trying to change the person. We cannot stay stuck in the fantasy of us being able to change ourselves in order to change the emotionally immature parent as a person. Because the reason they behave this way is a result of their past trauma and neglect. And we cannot heal that for them by being good or nice or understanding. So it's time to break that fantasy apart and place our feet in reality. Now, giving this fantasy up is painful. It is truly a grieving process. Um, When I look at how many things that I've tried and I hear how many things my clients have tried and honestly for how long we've tried to turn the ship around and to make this relationship feel better for us. There's just, there is a loss when we realize we've tried so hard, we've tried to make it a back and forth reciprocal relationship and it just hasn't worked. So just another highlight with um, how much we want things to be back and forth and reciprocal, that is the reason why we are people pleasers and perfectionists. (laughs) Uh, We are trying to repair what we didn't get and desperately wanted from our parents with other relationships now that we're adults. So the reality of the relationship, We have to see this, friends. I'm sorry. It's necessary if we want to take back our time, energy, and emotional well-being. And there probably has been a tipping point in the relationship already for you. Like when your eyes were opened to the reality of how the relationship works. You know, we simply cannot be compliant to an emotionally immature parent's every wish when we have our own families, jobs, our own interests. And at some point, we just don't feel like being coerced by shame and guilt anymore, you know, maybe because we have people in our lives who don't do that with us and we actually feel the difference and it feels better. (laughs) So we're like, oh, I don't really want to do this anymore. I don't like the shame and guilt thing. Um, And we aren't as susceptible to anger outbursts all the time, right? Like sometimes we are just like, you know what, I'm just tired today and I'm just not going to stand for being disrespected. So we might have actually lived in the reality of the relationship and poked a, a hole in that balloon of the fantasy of the relationship already. But now what? 
Uh, we still have to interact with them. You know, what if we still have Sunday dinners together? Or what if we still want our parents to be part of our kids' lives? You know, even just a little tiniest bit. We're still interacting with them and we can still easily be entrenched in the pattern with this person. I remember I moved away to break the pattern with my emotionally immature parent and I would still, you know, talk to them on the phone and be completely sideswiped into this vortex, if you will, of losing myself. So I feel like it's super important that we know how to interact with these folks um, because they're going to be part of our lives. So how do we interact on any level when we don't want to use accommodating or agreeing or staying silent or hiding ourselves anymore? Okay. Two words, awareness and attachment. Those are going to be your skill set for how you move forward in this relationship. Awareness of who they are, who they've shown you to be, uh, what they're capable of in a relationship, awareness of the expectations we have of them, especially to be different at some point. Awareness of our own limits, what time and energy we choose to put into the relationship. And lastly, awareness of what outcomes we want from interacting with them. I want you to unhook yourself from their behaviors and turn your attention towards yourself. It's time for us to pay attention to what we need and take care of that instead of being so focused on calming their emotional volatility and trying to do that through pleasing and being perfect. We are going to focus on what we realistically have control over, and that is us, our feelings, our time, our energy, us. We are the ones we are in control of. We're going to stop participating in the relationship as much, less engagement, less responsibility, and instead practice observing interactions, kind of like a wildlife photographer, right, who's laying in the in the bushes, you know, uh, photographing lions and elephants in the wild. Like we're in it, but we're not completely in it, right? We are there with them, but we're not completely open and vulnerable anymore. We're curbing our expectations of what we can get out of interacting with them. So this is awareness and it's also detachment, right? You're going to do this by staying on the periphery of the relationship being keenly aware of the dynamic between the two of you, naming that for yourself. In other words, we're being in reality here. And when we do have to interact, remembering their limitations and adjusting what you want and hope and desire you could and should get from them. We're going to do a lot of stating the obvious, and I'll get into that more when we talk about scripts. And we're going to do more acknowledging of the situation acknowledging of their needs, acknowledging the request of you, and even acknowledging their emotional state. But you're not going to engage in the situation or the request or their emotions. You're no longer going to do the emotional heavy lifting in the relationship. You're going to practice letting them have their emotional reactions. This is a deft emotional ninja, martial arts, Jedi type thing to do, right? But you can do it. When you start focusing on your own needs and releasing them from being a person who can help you fulfill those needs, you are detaching. 
you're detaching from trying so hard to earn their love, acceptance, positive, empathetic attention. You're an adult and you can create your own inner loving parent. And you can also create chosen family friendships where you have people who do see you and are interested in you and allow you to be yourself. So awareness and attachment are going to help you conserve your energy for yourself. When we think about working on the relationship, like quote unquote working, it's no longer going to be about creating a better relationship with the parent or person, but instead it's going to be honoring ourselves in their presence. They can't be there for us, but we can be there for us. So this does not mean that you don't care, but how you show you care is changing and you get to decide what that looks like. So what is super helpful and making these decisions is using your awareness to reflect on past experiences. Where have fear, obligation, and guilt sidetracked us? Where have we lost ourselves in their feelings of urgency and chaos? In other words, fear. Where have their expectations that we show up for them whenever they need us? In other words, obligation sidetracked us. And where has the snarky, hurtful criticisms that they've said if we've disappointed them in some way, in other words, guilt, where have those things derailed us and made us lose ourselves? Their energy is powerful, right? And we have usually succumbed to it. So we've got to reflect and prepare or we will easily fall into the same unfulfilling interactions, no matter whether it's a phone call, an email, a text, or in person. So you're going to use your awareness and reflection to create your helping template. (laughs) This is something that I encourage you to go back to to help you make decisions about how to respond. So here are some grounding questions to ask yourself when you create this template. What is easy for me to do for them that won't drain me? Right? Like, if they spilled mustard on their shirt when we're eating lunch together or something, I would just easily hand them a napkin and that wouldn't make me feel tired, right? (laughs) So what is easy for me to do for them that will not drain me? What are things that you would naturally hesitate about if they asked? Like if they said, can I come stay with you for a week while our floors get refinished? My guess is that you would naturally hesitate with that request. So I want you to start noting as you reflect back on past experiences, what are things that make you naturally hesitate when you're asked? Third question, what are things you absolutely without hesitation can say no to? Like if they are telling you about their neighbor who their kids got them a cruise for a holiday gift and they're like, why don't you ever get me a cruise? You know, would you pay for a cruise for us, you know, for my birthday? Um, Basically, they're asking because they are jealous, right? And they're putting this on you. So this might be something that you could absolutely without hesitation say no to. It's like, no, I'm not going to buy you a cruise just because your neighbor got one. So these questions can help you decide what is yours and what isn't what you want to be involved in, and what you don't. But mostly they will help you, through reflection, be able to then pause in the future 
and detach from their request so that you can check in with yourself first. Now, I said all that really slowly and emphasized those things because they are super important. This is the background work you want to start doing. You want to be able to be aware of what type of relationship you've been in, the personality traits of this person that you've been interacting with and trying to change, really. And these questions will give you a little bit more uh, of a scale of what is my yes, what is my no, right? Because I've gotten lost in the fear, obligation, and in guilt before. So pausing, detaching, and checking in, oh, they are, mm, they're just so vital for taking back your energy before you interact with an emotionally immature parent or person. So I'm going to move on to when you are interacting with them. And because I haven't given a shout out and credit where credit is due in the beginning of this episode, I'm going to take a minute now to say Lindsay Gibson's book, Emotionally Immature Parents, is what has spawned this entire Masterclass 3 Series podcast stuff. So um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for putting this all together, Lindsay, because this was a big clusterfuck in my mind. Um, so how do we feel empowered when we are with them? After we've done this background work and we're getting an idea of what our template is, what our yeses and nos are, and we're using um, past experiences as reflection points. Now, what happens when we're with them? Okay, I first want you to recognize that you've probably been a rescuer of sorts in this relationship. So using awareness and reflection, reflect on what being the rescuer has done for you. Maybe it's made you feel useful or needed or appreciated. What do you want from being the rescuer? Most of us want connection. And if we can fill this type of role, then we feel needed and kind of mistakenly believe that that makes us connected to our emotionally immature parent or person. So scripts to help you shift this role of rescuer. You're going to want to highlight this word, acknowledgement. <laughs> it is going to be the uh, a foundational piece here as you use scripts. So we're going to acknowledge the need or request, but we do not fall into filling the need. Now that sounds something like this. Wow, I can imagine how upsetting that feels to need a new water heater. Home repairs never come at the, at the right time, do they? We're just acknowledging what's going on. We're acknowledging the emotion. And they might have said to us, you know, kind of in that fearful, anxious, overwhelmed place, like, oh my God, how are we going to pay for this? And what they're doing is they're trying to request something from you, um, money, whatever. But what we're doing is we're saying, I'm not going to rescue this person, right? We can also say something like, wow, that sounds really hard to deal with, dad. Sorry, that's happening right now. Right? I'm not going to rescue you. I'm just going to acknowledge. Stay outside of the engagement with them. This is not your problem to solve. No matter how reactive, how urgent, or how much emotion they express, 
How you support them is by acknowledging the thing, not fixing the thing. Okay, maybe you have, moving on from rescuer, maybe you have been like their container, their emotional container, right? And so I want you to think about emotional martial arts, right? I want you to begin to move around their emotions, They unknowingly use fear, obligation, and guilt to catch us. And the fear hooks us by being urgent in an emergency. And it ends up being like a drowning person who's flailing in the water and you jump in, but instead of you kind of quote unquote helping them, they use you as a flotation device and kind of push you under. With obligation, they might toss that hot potato of responsibility onto you because they feel overwhelmed by emotion. But remember your template what is yours to hold, and what is really theirs. Now with guilt, they can share intense emotions and maybe add a little jab about how it would have helped if you had done X, Y, Z, and they wouldn't be in this position. Again, guilt is misplaced responsibility. So yes, they can feel something hard and know it's not up to you to ease that pain for them. Be the ninja, move around the emotion they toss out for you to catch. Scripts that will help this. Now, with a request, you could say something like, I can't answer that right now. Let me get back in touch with you on Tuesday about it. Give yourself time to go back to your template and see, like, is this mine to actually handle or not? Do I want to be the rescuer? Or how do I want to step into this? Maybe I can collaborate. (laughs) Um, Maybe I just want to like not touch this with a 10-foot pole. But give yourself time to respond and answer. Let's say if they're coming at you with fear or guilt, you can actually say something like, I agree. You know, having to go to the doctor's appointment alone is scary, right? If they're like, that was such a hard thing to do. And, you know, it really would have been nice if you had driven me and we had had lunch afterwards, right? So they're letting you know they've been fearful and they're guilting you for not going with them. Just agree. I agree. But don't agree that you weren't there for them. Agree that what they went through was difficult. That's the acknowledgement piece. And then there's always the classic response of, I don't know. Like if they are throwing something at you that's pointed and snarky and critical, (laughs) you know, like, well, why didn't you go to the doctors with me? Or why won't you get us a cruise? Don't you love us? (laughs) You know, why won't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You can simply say, I don't know. I don't know. And no more talking, no more explanation. What we're really doing is we're not giving them something to argue against or pick apart or poke holes in or shame us for. We are there to acknowledge what is going on, but we're not fully there to participate and engage and pick up the hot potato. We are detached. They have a right to feel how they feel. And we are not responsible for that. We can just name it. We can let it be that. 
yeah, that's scary. I hear you. That's hard to deal with. No engagement, just naming it. Now, part of what makes these simple acknowledging type scripts feel better for us is because we feel more in control of the interaction on our side. We feel like I'm the one that decides whether I play this game with you. I'm the one that decides. And I'm going to use these acknowledgements. I'm going to use these um, uh, agreements even just to be part of the interaction, but not fully show up in the interaction. Because the truth is, this isn't and hasn't ever been an interaction between two people. Your role has been to be the audience, the rescuer, and you can never find a place to even get that back and forth combo going like you've always wanted, right? So adjust your expectations and play the safest role you can around them, and that is the curious observer. (laughs) Lead the interaction with your acknowledgements and by putting the ball back in their court. That is what they're doing when they come to you with this fearful urgency. They need your attention. That's what they're doing when they use shame, criticism, and guilt. They're letting you know, hey, you missed an opportunity to pay attention to my needs. Now, we are unhooking ourselves from being the one to take care of those needs for them. But that doesn't mean that we have to just leave them flailing, right? In the water drowning. We can be curious about what's going on for them. We can acknowledge what's going on for them. And that lets them be the center of attention. And they like that anyway, right? So those things where um, we use curiosity, we use acknowledgement, and even when we use like interviewing them, if you will, which I'm going to talk about just in a second, they will feel like they're the center of attention and you will feel like, oh, I'm actually leading this conversation. I'm actually leading this interaction. I'm not engaging. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pick up any hot potatoes. I am just being curious, acknowledging, and staying as present and surface level as I can with them. So how you do the interviewing or kind of be like the reporter and use curiosity is you're going to take I statements off your plate. (laughs) All those communication blogs and podcasts and tools that you've learned about saying I scrap that. When you're working with an emotionally immature parent or person, do not let them know how you feel. (laughs) Because remember, they're not really going to be there for you and how you feel. So if you show up at Sunday dinner and you've decided that you're going to kind of try vegetarian for a while, right? And they're like, vegetarian? They start criticizing you. They kind of undermine that decision. Instead of going to bat for yourself and using I statements, say something like, well, some people believe eating vegetarian is healthy. What do you think about that? Ask them, do that interview, do that reporter kind of thing. Get curious with them. They're telling you 
that they want to talk about this. They're telling you their opinion through their criticisms. So just go ahead and let them talk about it. They don't have to agree with you. They don't have to eat vegetarian with you. But they are going to say something, especially if being vegetarian is kind of uh, new or different or feels like, oh my God, she's not going to come to Sunday dinner anymore because she's never going to want to have roast beef and and potatoes, you know? And so somehow your difference is threatening to them. So de-escalate that threat by being curious and avoiding I statements and ask them their thoughts about it. Just get them talking about it, right? You can also just use really neutral topics when you're together, really kind of superficial things that will, again, be kind of a curiosity interviewing type interaction of, you know, what are you watching on TV these days? You got anything to recommend? You don't even have to watch it. Just something to talk about that's not you, right? What do you think about traveling outside of the United States? What's going on with John's back porch? I see he's building something over there. Just interacting with topics that are not you, right? We're engaging safely. We're engaging on a surface level way. And the engagement might almost feel like elementary to you, right? You might want to go deeper, but remember, ideal versus reality. It's not about you. It's about them. So just let it be about them. Again, stay in the reality of the situation, of the relationship. And just let it be a conversation, not something that has to fulfill your every deepest existential longings, right? When the focus is on them, it can diffuse their fear of disconnection and abandonment from you. They're getting your attention. But remember, detachment. You're there, but you're not there. Speaking of not there, sometimes you just have to get out of there. You're an adult and you don't have to take getting beaten up by anyone. So it's okay to refuse to engage and just say, okay, I got to go. I'll talk to y'all later. Or time's up. I'm getting off the phone now. Bye. Yes, there's probably going to be some backlash for that later. (laughs) But in the moment, if you're getting all the signs and signals that you're done and all your curiosity and your acknowledgement is just falling flat that day, get out of there, friend. And hook up with somebody, text, call, get in touch with somebody that can see you, that can hear you, that you might be able just to kind of download. Like, gosh, I really am trying this thing. I'm really trying not to interact and engage. And I just got caught all over again. This is not easy, right? This is why we do some of this background work so that we can start to get to know what we really need, who we really are, what our limits are, and we can begin to trust ourselves when we are interacting with emotionally immature folks. So just to let you know what we've talked about today, because we are, are, <laughs> we are at our 30-minute time period, we've talked about using awareness and reflection. We've talked about looking at the real versus the ideal of the relationship. And 
the importance of creating a template of what's really yours to respond to. And we've talked about the idea of attachment and how that's probably going to save you and your emotional well-being. And you've been given just a few scripts to start off with. So this is a great start, right? We are helping ourselves control how we interact with our emotionally immature parents and other people in our lives. And the one thing I want to highlight is you're doing the work on your side first. You're getting to know you and you're beginning to step out of that conditioned training that you've had, that you had to do when you were a kid to survive. You're, you're kind of untangling from your people-pleasing and perfectionism when you do this work. And so that's what the last part of the series is going to be about, deprogramming and coming back to you. So again, this can be heavy stuff, but I want you to have it in your mind. I want you to have it in your reality. I don't want you to keep setting yourself up to want something from a person that can't give it to you and wear yourself out trying to make them give it to you. All right, friends, I just want you to know I see you. I hear you. I am you. I always say to people, ask me how I know so much about this shit. (laughs) I've lived through it and continue to. So onward and upward to our freedom and our recovery from people-pleasing and perfectionism. And I'll see you again soon. Peace out. Hey, a common theme with my clients is the desire to set boundaries easily. They want to feel strong saying what they want and they want to have their own back doing it. Well, guess what? You got to know what you want before you can start saying it. That's why I created the Unleash Your Authentic Self Guide. It's four questions that will help you discover who you are and what you want. I know that sounds too simple, but these are deep dive, really rich questions that can be asked again and again as you work on your recovery from people-pleasing and perfectionism. So head on over to www.powertothepleasers.com backslash unleash for your copy today.